Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all of the TV. And you'll find us on the Bald Move Network because uh, that's where we're at. Baldmove.com. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Butchered. Butchered. Uh, I understand you have some information for us this well, week. Well, first off, talk about just a reminder... Walking Dead comes back this weekend, baby. Yeah. That's why we're rocking out with our balls out, the theme music up front. Man, I almost confused the intro. I think that's why I butchered it, because I was I, thinking, I thought, Yeah, I thought I threw you a curveball there. Yeah, you did. But we're excited. Uh, we're actually going to do a season preview? Season 3.B, yeah. 3.2, Comeback episode. Yeah, comeback episode. Yep. Uh, recording that tonight, probably release it tomorrow. Uh, that's over on our Walking Dead feed. You can get that at baldmove.com or on iTunes, which are Walking Dead. Uh, also, I just want to thank everybody for coming out at the Boulder meetup. Yeah. Uh, promised Brandon that I would thank his uh, significant other, Ellie, for coming to pick his drunk ass up and <laughs> keeping him safe. <laughs> Lots so, of beer at that event. Yes, thanks, Ellie. Also, my God, what was that thing called? The Beast? The Beast. 16%. 16% alcohol, but yet still pretty So smooth. yummy. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, I'm used to drinking Imperial Stouts. Those are, like, my favorite. Yeah. So 10 11%, but 16 whoo. And if you guys you guys missed out because we had a great time. Jerilyn from the Because Show, our other one of our other affiliates, uh, remote bought us a shot all the way from L.A. It's incredible. Incredible, man. Clutch. Clutch performance by Jerilyn. Yeah, and there. she bought the Beast. Those she were bought, the ones she bought. She bought the Beastie Round. Uh, so we talked about Walking Dead. Also, something I want to talk about that interests me as a podcaster. Um What's the opposite of friend of the show? Enemy of the show, David Chin. <laughs> no, he's a frenemy at this point. He's a frenemy. He's yeah. solidly a frenemy. Uh, he's doing something interesting. Uh, if you like his cast of Kings, he is doing a Kickstarter to save it because I guess he's got some schedule conflicts with his hosts, and also they're trying to grub money out of you. And he's trying to raise <laughs> a budget for the podcast. And so that's something Jim and I have actually thought about when people say, why don't you do back episodes of Breaking Bad? And we're like, oh, yeah. God. We'd love to, but how are we going to find the time? Yep. Uh, we thought, like, well, maybe we could kickstart it and, and, and you know take a sabbatical from work or something like that. But we never had the balls to do it. David Chin has got n- enormous chin balls. <laughs> yes, he does. And he is kickstarting the shit out of this thing. It's only been live for like 24 hours, and he's already like 85% of his way through his goal. Yeah. Uh, if you like what he's doing, I encourage you to give him the bucks because I think this is going to be an interesting way to – uh, you know, get to fund re- great content, which yeah. I mean, it's ultimately about right. I mean, the stuff that you see on TV, like The Walking Dead or any of the shows we talked about, obviously there's a revenue source there. Right. They can't do that for free. So. Right. So yeah. I mean, we the Amazon stuff is nice when we can get Audible. That's great. Um, but it'd be it'd be it'd be great to find a way to pay for this. So we could do more. That's what more I'm saying. Like, and do it better. One podcast a week, eh? Not really a problem. Yeah, but we'll when you get to the love. Like, but when you get to the Walking Dead, Mad Men, Game of Thrones season, and you're doing three a week, right? And people want ah. you to do House of Cards on top of it, and Boardwalk Empire and yeah. Homeland and yeah, all the up. shows. So we're we're kind of uh, uh, as friendly competition. We're Wanting to check out, see how that does, and again, encourage everybody to check that out. See, and if you don't want to get some interesting stretch goals, like he'll whore himself out. Aaron's <laughs> whore fee is $50 million. David's apparently is like 365 <laughs> to lift the skirts up and have all access. So, uh, but if you don't want to give him any money, we also have the Game of Thrones podcast, the uh, Night's Watch. Yeah, coming, coming back, back in, yeah, the, in, in March. March, beginning of April. Uh, so speaking of House of Cards, holy shit, man! I sat down last night, intending to watch 
the first two episodes that had gotten a lot of reviews online and just kind of dipped my toe in water. I stayed up till 2.30 a.m. and binge watched five hours of that stuff. Lunatic, first of all. But how was it? It was awesome. I didn't figure you would binge watch something that you hated. Yeah. It's it's, it's like, oh, God, it's horrible. Um, You know, it's one of those things where I don't know whether – it portrays a world that I suspect really works that way and makes me feel smart for, like, kind of suspecting it all along mm-hmm. or whether the show actually is smart. You know what I'm saying? It's like some of those shows, like, they're not as smart as you think they are. They just kind of flatter your own intellectual uh, biases. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I feel like I'm I'm a, a self-described radical moderate politically. <laughs> okay. And I'm very much a pox on both your houses uh, type of guy. And this thing is about... Uh, a guy named uh, Francis, uh, he's the House Minority Whip, who's a Democrat. And it's basically how, you know, it, how scandal works in Washington, how bills are made, how power is brokered. Hmm. A lot of it, I'm, I'm sure, is sensationalized. But it's like one of those things where, you know, when you see a congressman, uh, they find out something he wrote in college 30 years ago that's like vaguely racist or yeah. hates on Jews. Like wonder how in the hell did they dig that up? Uh-huh. And how did they get these people to like, you know, to swift boats against carry swift boats for carry? How do these grass so-called grassroots movements? And it kind of purports to like, this is how this actually happens in Washington. So, and, so what is it about the show? Like itself that makes you like it? Like first off, I understand the subject matter is something that interests you. Yeah. So first off, the show is shot beautifully. Is it? It's okay. one of the best looking features I've seen. I mean, it's, it's, really? I want to even say it's better than Mad Men. Wow. Just, just wow. it's steady state. And like some of the scenes that they have where they swing for defenses are like breaking bad esque and how beautiful there are. For example, there's this Jeez. one scene where this corrupt senator is trying to wheedle information out of this uh, basically aging hippie, and he's rolling him a fat joint to show that he's not one of the men. Uh-huh. And the way that scene is shot, and I think that was one of the ones uh, that David Venture did. He did the first two, and then you've got like a all-star cast of cable directors. I think they got Joel Schumacher. I want to say Joel Schumacher did it one. <laughs> really? Um, but they're just beautiful. Mm. It's, it's beautifully shot lit. Uh, wonderfully acted. Kevin Spacey plays this like vicious guy who's got this southern drawl that gets deeper. Like sometimes, like when he goes back to his home state, he like thickens it up. And sometimes <laughs> when he's getting nasty, he draws it out too. And he also breaks the fourth wall. How so? <clears throat> like he'll be del- he'll be um, you know delivering this monologue or like you know working some guy uh, over a bargaining table, and then he'll like turn off screen and then the camera will face him and he'll be like now watch this and then he'll mind fuck this dude but it's kind of like he's winking at us and like you know we're inside his thought process i love to see kevin spacey as a mean guy yeah. i love it in horrible bosses i thought he was hilarious yeah uh as what's his face he's channeling a lot of that energy yeah because um, uh, he's just like a mad dog that's been let off the cage he's nice. or let off his chain uh, I guess it's um, Don Cheadle does something similar in House of Lies, which is a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. But that's the number I one thing. I've, I've, if people said that they haven't liked the show, they don't like that dealing directly into the camera. They feel like it's you know smarmy or self-serving. But I thought it was great. Huh. Okay. Yeah, but it's got nice. a lot of a lot of great performances. The dialogue I think is amazing. I compared it on Facebook. I said it's kind of like the newsroom 
only better looking, better acted, and with more appealing characters. People who make rational, intelligent decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, I said they're likable, but actually I think they're not more likable. They're just... I don't know. It's kind of like if you think Walter White is likable. Oh, or it's, it, they're interesting to see their machinations succeed. Yeah, gotcha. And I'm very curious to see because this this series has an obvious arc and a plot that's going forward. And I can't imagine that Kevin Spacey is going to win out because then it seems like that would be it. That's the series. Oh, he's got. Okay. He's going to have to have some kind of. Well, reversal. episode six is the dinosaur episode, right? Really? Yeah. yeah. What they do to time travel? Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen any of it, but from what you've described, I plan on watching uh, the yeah. whole thing. I'm a big fan. In fact, we're we're maybe thinking a way we can do the cast. It's it's an interesting model because Netflix basically just crapped out all 13 episodes and yeah. like have added on on uh, February 1st. The critics I've listened to have kind of been throwing a hissy fit about it. Yeah, they're real annoyed. Yeah, like Seppenwall was basically like, "How are people going to watch this show? We you know without us to review it?" Yeah. How, you know, Wait a second. Where could they? Where could Netflix possibly get an audience? Right. From? I don't know. They've got like thirty million subscribers, right? <laughs> and I don't yeah. know about you, but right number one position on the Netflix recommends uh-huh. is House of Cards. I think they'll do fine. Yeah, I, I really think do. So I don't think they need us telling our listeners about it. Plus, they're just like they're being so cool about it. I mean, they're saying, you know, in our experience, we're, we've trained people to binge watch television. Well, you know, hook the feedback uh, feedback to your face and binge watch this show from day one. Yeah, uh, we don't. We're not going to announce statistics for it. We don't give a fuck. This is like a prestige. This is an AMC Mad Men move. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And they're, and they're following. I mean, I know they had Lilyhammer, which I don't know anything about. And but they're also this summer doing, going to do Arrested Development. Yeah. I I think this is going to make it really hard for them to get excellent content from other providers. You do? Frankly, yes. Why? I, I because I think if they if Netflix sees a big cash influx or just like a boost in popularity from this, the other stations are going to get nervous. Like AMC is going to be like, well, Netflix is going to start producing all their own content. What are they going to need us for in 10 years? Well, it's funny enough because this was, you know, this is a a British television show that's been imported to America and they shopped around the script, the pilot, and it was up for grabs. Like HBO bid on it. A couple Hmm. other channels bid on it. But Netflix is the one that, that brought it home for 40 million bucks. Wow. So, and uh, I was looking at an article on the economics behind that. They basically say that Netflix would have to grow the, between ten to fifteen percent for that to pay off. But coincidentally, that's I how much agree. their that's how much their annual uptake is anyway. Oh, okay. But so. he goes like, also, it's like they're not just making money on that because there is product placement all over the fucking place. Oh, I bet. It's not offensive. Like you, Kevin Spacey, uh, his wife comes home, finds him playing Call of Duty. Yeah. And he's eating a big old box of Honey Nut Cheerios and he's drinking a sports drink like <laughs> he, prominently. He drives a Kia Sorento. Yeah. <laughs> the all new 2013. <laughs> yeah. 2014 now. Uh, so, yeah, I, like I said, I think everyone that has a Netflix subscription should check it out. It's free. Watch the first hour. If you don't like it immediately. You, you know, no harm, no foul. Okay. Well, I will do that. Also, it's kind of cool is that the episode links are anywhere from, like, I think 47 minutes to 60 minutes. Like, they don't – they're not having to be edited to fit in commercials or at a particular time slot. So yeah. I feel like – That's awesome. Every episode has felt tight, and I realize that it's, like, probably because they could edit it without – for pacing. Yeah. Not just for any arbitrary commercial needs or anything like that. That's cool. That's so. really cool. <clears throat> anyway – uh, so what are our three flagship shows are we going to talk about first? Uh, we could do Downton, we could do Girls, we could do Justified. 
Uh, Host choice. Let's do girls. Girls? All yeah, right. Yeah, let's start out there. So Hannah decides to host a dinner party. She does, indeed. And uh, she apparently invites everyone she doesn't want to be there because <laughs> Marnie shows up, Charlie and his girlfriend show up, and everybody hates each other. Uh, and it turns into a big shitstorm. Uh, Shoshana and Ray show up, and <laughs> Shoshana finds out that Ray's living with her, mm-hmm. or realizes that Which he is. is. I'm telling I can't believe... You don't like what her name was a, a Shoshana Joja Momet or whatever her name is. They call her Show. No, but, but that's her real name. Oh yeah, okay. I can't believe because her no, her I, acting I'm performance where her. she slowly dawned on the fact that Ray had moved in <laughs> on the slide was hilarious. Yeah, no, the actress is great. Yeah, she's just playing the most annoying character under the sun. Oh, I I, I can't stand that character. I disagree. And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and read his feedback. Roger Dotsey uh, disagrees, too. He says, Shoshana's my favorite. Obviously, she's annoying, but she's annoying in the most hilarious way. I'd say she's the most representative of today's culture, especially here in the Midwest, where quite a few girls are too into their cell phones, watch crappy TV, adore sex in the city, etc. Agreed. Interesting. Agreed. I think she's a realistic character, but a freaking annoying one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not aware of this. I mean, I'm aware of all these girls' kind of stereotypes, archetypes. I don't. I don't know any of them as, as far as close friends of mine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Shoshana's – I love her, I, and I love Ray and her together. I'm kind of worried that she is, you know, shacking up with this 33-year-old or 32-year-old loser. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it sucks that the guy's a loser, right? Yeah. But they well, obviously have... care about each other. I thought one of the best scenes in the episode was when they were sitting in the subway, and it, they both just said, hey, I love you. Like – Yes, that's true, but on, and I'm sure she could love him, but he's 32 years old, and, and you know, I don't care if you're not making a lot of money, but you know, are you doing the thing that you're passionate about? Yeah. You know, he's. I think she even made that point. It's like you have so many things you're passionate about, but you really don't do anything. Yeah. That will get old for her pretty soon if he doesn't, you know. But on the other hand, maybe if someone finally believes in him. He'll blossom. He'll blossom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Into a beautiful ray plant. <laughs> Instead of the angry ray uh, Venus flytrap he's been. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I thought the tension in the dinner scene was pretty awesome. So great. Yeah. I Is mean, Marnie... once Marnie and Charlie's girlfriend start t- chatting, I was just like, uh-oh. Right. It's going down a bad path. Marnie v. Audrey. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Marnie is like the championship insult drinker. She first displayed her talents with her mom when they were, you know, had those big kind of like sideways gulps out of a wine oh, glass. Yeah, yeah. But when she's like, where did you, where do you get your headband? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I love that particular tick of her performance. Yeah. Like she says something outrageous and then hides it with a big gulp of wine and she's kind of like looking out over <laughs> it sideways to see yeah. what kind of devastation <laughs> that her comment has wreaked. Sure, sure. It's great. It's great. I like it. Uh, the other thing I really like in this episode, every time that because Charlie goes up to the roof and uh, he kisses her and she says, I'm going out with somebody. And he asks mm-hmm. who every time Booth Jonathan's name comes up, yeah. people re- recoil in horror. Yeah. Like, I love the reaction to just his name. Right. Everybody hates this guy, but apparently she can't see why. Well, I think she does, but she's also kind of mesmerized by him. You know, one thing it's like. I'm always – I've come to realize that I like to score. Like, who's right and who's wrong? You know, that's one of the things okay. I like to do in television shows. Like, who do I feel is is in the right here? Who do I feel in the right? And girls confounds me 
Because just when I think, you know, Marnie's being a complete and total bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, got, Charlie goes running up and is even bigger nice guy twat. And, you know, clearly this poor Audrey girl's a rebound. And he's never going to be over on Marnie. Like, I don't feel like yeah. he'll ever, ever, ever be over Marnie. I think you're right, yeah. I mean, he will, obviously, but not with this particular Audrey chick. And not if he keeps her in such close proximity, right? Like, that's the thing that's really fucking with him, is he's seeing her everywhere. He could use a clean break. Constantly thinking about her. He's got to get away from that. But also, he's got this annoying nice guy tick that, like, just because she's annoyed that you're rubbing her your new girlfriend in her face means she must like you still. Yeah, yeah. No, both those things can be true. Like... I've had plenty of women that I never really want to see again, <laughs> and they never didn't really leave in the best terms, but I still wouldn't like to have their current love interest rubbed in my face, especially if they're going to be all kissy and I'm yeah. attending to party stag. It's like a no, human it's, it's thing awkward. to be jealous of people that you've been with before. So, For sure. you know, again, they're all young and they don't know this, but um, how, you know, Hannah continues to drive me crazy, right? <laughs> Why? Well, she, I, I feel like she deliberately started some of this shit. She invited Marnie, yeah, yeah, knowing that she would probably show up. And then when she's like, you, you know, can't she invite just someone leave. and expect them not. To Marnie show comes up. out of the bathrooms like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. And then yeah. they, she basically demands everyone stay here, yes, and endure the awkwardness. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, she is, she has some weird mental tics as well. Uh, yeah. None of these characters are perfectly normal. Right. And I think it's also, I mean, part of their struggle. I'll, going back to the, the scene with Ray and Shoshana in the subway, I think that everyone has kind of felt that way. Like, just totally lost like Ray is, right? He doesn't really know what he wants to do. He doesn't, he doesn't have, he's not doing things that he's passionate about because he doesn't know what he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, at 32, you probably shouldn't be that way. You probably should have figured it out by now. But you can see, like, Hannah at 24, maybe. Yeah, she's searching a little bit. She doesn't know what she wants to do. Right. And she doesn't really know who she is. But she does seem to be one of those thing one of those people that are annoyingly attracted to drama. Yeah, yeah. Like I even thought um that um you know, her deal with breaking up with her ex gay boyfriend mm-hmm. was very showy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, it was like a play. She wasn't really that mad at him, and she's kind of, like, had a smirk on her face the whole time, and this was all kind of, like, one big joke to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. How uh, about Jessa? I was going to say, the last we've saved we the, the, the main event. Yeah. Tonight's title card. Not uh, even whipping Jessa your boobs out to save that relationship. Well, we knew this was <laughs> going to end badly. We did. Did you know it was going to end this badly? Uh... She smashed his Humey, so no, I didn't. Punched him in the face. He called her a whore. Yeah. Uh, this was like a race to the bottom. Like this it was. Drove, yes. This was like a tennis match for my wanting to score who was winning. Uh, because, like, I felt like that Jessa was needlessly confrontational with his parents. And uh, She is a very I, honest person, though, right? Yeah, but I think some of that's bullshit. Like, you think she like, was purposely trying to get under their skin a little? Yeah, like, I don't think you need to mention the fact that you went into rehab for heroin on the first time yes, you meet the I will parents. give you that. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, like, I understand, and this was kind of like before they started needling her about her career and whatnot, but... Yeah. You know, they're just asking normal questions, and for her to be so unprepared to deal with a dude that's got 
you know, money and came from this upper class or you know, upper middle class family to be completely, you know, defiant and that in their face. It just, I just felt like she didn't really care one way or another about his relationship with his parents or how they would uh, actually feel. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when he got, when she, they first got home, I felt like she was picking the fight and the first one to get a little bit further into the mud. But you're right. It was a race to the bottom. I feel like this is the argument that really horrible people have. Yeah. It's like, how badly can I hurt you with what I'm about to say? Right. I, I want to do as much damage to you as I can. That's right. That is just a hateful argument. Not trying to spare your feelings. I'm trying to intensify the yeah. disgust and despair and even say things that you don't really mean. Yes. Like, and I feel like that's like, just also when is the first to, to go to the well and say stuff that was just, you know, like how much she despised him. It's like, well, you married yeah. him. So what does that make you? Yeah. A giant gaping cunt. It makes you exactly what he's saying. <laughs> if you do truly hate him, then you must have married him for his money. Right. Right. And then, you know, for him to call, you know, her a whore, it's like, you know, what are you like yeah. the worst motherfucker alive? <laughs> You know, you married her, yeah. so what does that make you? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was fascinating and painful to watch. Do you think? I think that's what girls does a lot of the time, and it's interesting. Do you think Jessa learned a goddamn thing? No, no, of course not. She's going to think she was totally in the right here, and she never made a single mistake, and she's going to go on doing exactly what she's always done. I felt like maybe she would have, but she went to Hannah, who is the first to, like, you know— Let's let's not keep this at a real level. Let's make this about boogers and stuff and laugh it all off. And, oh, Jess, you're mm-hmm. so irrepressible. Yeah, she's my least favorite character, honestly. Uh, her and Shoshana are... Shoshana, see, I, I just up, can't man. even... I, I can't even compare. <laughs> but yeah. she's definitely... Jess is the one who I think is the least self-aware. Does by far the most damage. Yeah. To people's relationships and, and her eating she her own. She leaves a path of destruction. Marnie is kind of doing that, too. I, she's not, This is three marriages now that she's had a hand in fucking yes, up. Yes, yeah. Her uh, babysitter. Babysitter, yeah. the dude that came that was engaged to the girl, and she fucked him just out of spite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And obviously, these people are complicit in this. But Certainly. She was, she, you got a class for her as a homewrecker. She wrecks her own home. Yes. Yeah, definitely. She's a berserker. She's a sexual berserker. <laughs> A sexual tornado. <laughs> a sexual hurricane Jess. Oh, Blue boy. in the town. Too soon. All right. Um, is that all you have to say about girls? I think, I think so. we covered it pretty well. I think so. All right, let's move to Downton Abbey. All right. Season three, episode six. This is basically Lord Grantham getting, you know, tweaked in the nose again and again and again. Yeah. So he's living this- his personal outrage machine. This is the argument that Jessa and and her husband could have had, right? Like, where they just don't speak to each other. Right. Uh, Although, uh, what's her name? Cora. Cora. Yeah. Uh, She was getting pretty nasty there, too. I mean, she's basically telling him, look, it's your fault that our daughter died. Mm -hmm. When it's completely not his fault, and we find that out in this episode. I mean. It's funny, though, because after, like, he fled the bedroom, you know, he's – Going down the hallways, like this is what British men look like when they're apparently they're they're sobbing their head off. It's basically uh-huh. like this choke sound tear. coming. They have a one ear, one eye brimming with tears, 
choking noises come out of your throat and you're walking as if you're having a stroke. Yeah. That was the other defining thing. Like one stiff arm, one leg kind of lurching. <laughs> it's like walking dead down Nabby uh, crossover. crossover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, what are things that set him off this episode? And they're all petty bullshit. What like, other things set him off? Yeah, what are all the things that set him off? The one in uh, Branson deciding to name his daughter Sybil. Yes. It's ghoulish. Yeah, ghoulish. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a problem with that. No. What, I mean, it what seems right like a good homage to, to her mother. Yeah, like the dude just watched his young wife and, and love of his life die. Yeah. And this is his daughter. You're going to call it ghoulish? And then he finds out he's going to baptize her. Did he really oh, think that he was going to let her be Protestant? Really? He couldn't have. And what, Certainly not. What right in the world does he have to have any say on that? He doesn't. Well, I'm sure as a, the grandfather he expects to, I mean, have a little bit of say, but not enough say to override Branson. No. Uh, do you know what a left footer is? They call the baby a left footer. That's I thought that was a like a Catholic slur. That's yeah. That's I what I was wondering. Why. Like I don't know what the term means. So if I'm offending a whole lot of people by saying it right now, uh, I apologize. But if you know what it means, let us know. Well, I'm curious. Why are Catholics sometimes called left footers? Oh. The Guardian uh, uh, reports that the answer lies in a rich folk- folklore of the humble spade and provides a good illustration of the inadequacy of calling a spade a spade. The saying turns on a traditional distinction between left and right-handed spades in Irish agriculture. It has been used as a figure of speech and often, sadly, as a term of, of abuse to distinguish Protestants from Catholics. He digs with the wrong foot. Most types of digging spades in Britain and Ireland have footrests at the top of their blades. Two-sided blades have footrests on each side of the shaft and socket, while the older style of uh, uh, one-sided spade had only one. So we're used to, mm. in America, having the shelf. You've, you've worked a shovel, right? They got yeah, the like, yeah, blunt yeah, yeah. part at the end where you can step on it. Yeah. Um, says two-sided spades may well have been introduced by the Protestant planters in the 16th century. By the early 19th century, specialized spade and shovel mills in North Ireland, producing vast numbers of two-sided spades that came to be universally used in Ulster and strongly identified with the province. One-sided spades with narrow blades and a footrest cut out of the side of a relatively larger wooden shaft continued in use in the south and west. So <laughs> that's okay. basically it's a north and south Catholic and Protestant thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to be all that derogatory, but... I guess it is. It's but contextual. It's weird that the two-sided spade of Ulster was generally used with the left foot, whereas the one-sided spade tended to be used with the right foot. What? Why would that? Why would you? If you had your choice, apparently, of Two left sides, or right, yeah. you would choose left predominantly? Well, the, the people who were right-footed would just buy the one-siders, right? So the people who are left-footed needed both sides, but they didn't really need both sides, but they were buying the two-sided because they couldn't. All right, fuck this. Yeah. This is too stupid. Yeah. I, I just we're feel done like with this. You need better insults, English people. So so what do you think about uh, <laughs> Miss Patmore teaching a whore to cook? Uh, I thought it was very much in her character. Me too. And I don't see anything wrong with it. Carson fact, does. Oh, Carson is like the more irrelevant and impotent version of Lord Grantham. And yeah. he's already okay. more irrelevant and, and impotent on his own. You know, I am glad you brought that up because it seems to me in this episode that the women are running down, right? Cora is, has totally got it all over. Uh, what's his face? Lord. Well, Grantham. they gave the American women the vote and now they got ideas. <laughs> so apparently Miss Hughes, 
Double X chromosomes running amok. <laughs> Doesn't give a shit what Carson says. Oh. But this is a different Carson. Like, season three Carson is really different from seasons one and two. Because you really think so? I, I don't know if it's that he's different or that the people he's running are different because and have less respect for him. Because in seasons one and two, when he said something, it was law. Yes. Nobody even thought about crossing him. Yes. And now people are laughing in his face. They don't give a shit what he says. Well, I they're going to do whatever they want. Ten years have passed, and like the um, even even the new footman doesn't care. Right. And Daisy, his or her farmer benefactor, former father-in-law, is basically like, you know, look around. Do you think the great houses are going to last another twenty years? I don't. Yeah. And you know, even the common people are basically. Do you think Carson is going to last another twenty years? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. No, <laughs> no. But I mean, I think that's just a sign of the times that he's huffing and puffing about stupid stuff. And and, and yeah, it's, yeah. And it's also the war changed a lot of things because you know it's not like Ethel chose to be a prostitute. Like you know, I don't want to work hard. I'm just going to hoard up. I mean, she did <laughs> sure. what she had to do to survive in a world where you know the war had fucked up the economy. And there weren't a lot of jobs to go around, and I just – I don't yeah. know. I feel – So you think it's all just the influence of the war and the changing times? I feel like Carson looks to be more like an asshole this season because he's having to operate more and more out of his comfort zone, and he doesn't like it. Mm. Yeah, He I wants things to stay the same and be the same as they always did, and you know they're not. They're changing very rapidly. Yeah. Um, how about Matthew and Branson? Kind of forming a friendship. Yeah, I would actually. Chummy. What do you think the odds are of Matthew talking Tom into staying around to work uh, oh, Downton Farm? I think they're good. I think they're very good. He He's seems... a young man. He's talking about kicking the old guys out of their farms. How are they going to talk? How are they going to talk him into staying? Because he has got a hard on for moving to. Yeah, he wants to go back to Ireland. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. It's be interesting to see if they pull that off in a believable way. You know what else I think is going to happen? What's that? I think Bates is going to die. You think so? The way they're playing this prison scenario, I don't think it turns out well for him. God. Because he's about to get out of prison, right? Well, that's one way if, to keep your fucking relationship in stasis. <laughs> she can yeah. play the grieving, you know, uh, one last never hurrah. got fulfilled widow for the rest of eternity. Definitely. I would hate that idea. As much as I don't like Bates right now, yeah, yeah. the idea of killing him on the cusp of his freedom and kicking Anna in the face <laughs> one more time is less but, appealing. But if they don't, what happens with Bates and Anna? I, I hope they just get to be fucking happy. And then leave the show, right? I kind of like, want them to get have them that, just being Wasn't happy. that the plan is that they were going to leave and go to you know a house kind of in the same county but out of Downton? I think so, yeah. So it's like they should just do that plan and maybe they're an occasional character. We see them in the Christmas episodes – Special occasions, yeah, but yeah, I want I kind of want to see them happy in a way, or maybe Bates can be like uh, Lord Grantham's enforcer. <laughs> yeah, he's he's rolling because this dude's rejuvenated in prison. He's, yeah, he, he doesn't need a fucking cane anymore. <laughs> no, Fuck that like torturous leg brace he was wearing. He's like shiving guys, yeah, threatening to slit people's throats. Again, the prison politics crack me up. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Bates is some schlub from the street, and he comes in, and there's these weird political connections between random prisoners and the guards, and yeah, he solves the problem by threatening to cut the guy. Like, I don't... 
He he would just get shivved the next day in the yard. I if mean, this guy's not... powerful enough to have the governor set against him, yeah. yeah, I think that would be really easy to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of with the up yours downstairs guys when they they don't like baits. Oh, they, I wish they would make that shiv baits T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I think that would I think that would be a good seller. For That'd sure. be a brisk seller for them. All right, what else do you have on Downton Abbey? Uh, what do you else? think about uh, uh, Daisy's offer? By her father-in-law to run the farm. Oh, to run the farm, yeah. Um, I like it. I think that would be good for her. I mean, he's going to leave her everything, right? All his tools, all his money, uh, all of his stuff to make food. And I think she'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, she might want to take Alfred with her. Alfred? Yeah, the footman. Their... Well, do you think Alfred wants... I can't... What does Alfred feel about her? I can't figure it out. Uh, he doesn't like her. He likes the other girl. Yeah, but I sometimes I name. feel like he would settle for her <laughs> if the other girl doesn't turn around. Yeah. Well, to be fair, whoever's going to be with Daisy is going to be settling, I think. Um, Jim Banks on Facebook says that she thinks she should take Edith with her because Edith loves to drive and she uh, can drive the tractor around in the field. There you go. And write her articles. <laughs> okay. Um, so... That's I don't know. It's like the other thing is all these characters. If if she leaves and Bates and Anna leaves, there's not going to be that many people left. Yeah, and you notice there's like an army of maids and servants that we never even meet. Yeah, I saw some sitting at the table this time, and I was like, "Who is that?" Right, oh, it's random. It's like the, footman like, X, like the uh, redhead Wilding that they replaced from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, she got replaced by someone we never met, and Edith the whoremonger. Or the whore, what's the opposite of whoremonger? The whore-izzer. Uh, <laughs> it got replaced by somebody that we've never met. But they're still around yeah. the house doing things. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of servants in this house. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, what about Cora and Robert's marriage and how that got resolved? Um, it was a little suspect. I mean, Cora, the doctor was clearly reluctant to tell them this information but it seemed like it's accurate information it did i don't think the doctor would have said it if it wasn't accurate right but it, it instantly made Cora forgive robert which right. mm, i think it may have taken a little bit more time to let that information totally sink in yeah just he turns around and all of a sudden everything's forgiven and that's okay plus we're talking about there was a chance of saver versus no chance at all yes there's that but Again, that's the thing I didn't figure out is that it's not like Clarkson has covered himself in glory over the years. Yeah, um, and he did say the chance was infinitesimal, so it's like. Yeah, I was thinking about like, you know, 1920s cesare- emergency cesarean yeah. with the hygiene standards at the time. And, I'm not signing up for that. Yeah, that seems like it'd be pretty bad. Um, so what do you think about Ethel preparing a luncheon for the Crawley women? Do you think anyone but – do you think that actually will be a topic of scandal? Uh, if it was before the war, I would say yes, definitely. Now that we're after the war, I don't know. A lot of stuff is changing. Hmm. Um, I think – I mean Robert obviously thinks it's going to be a big deal. Um, I'd be surprised if they don't address it at all in the future, but I don't see it being nearly as big of a deal as like keeping Mary's secret was, you know. All right. Well, so there's also this, like, love pentagon happening where... Thomas and... No, no, no. Daisy is hot for... Who did you say his name was? Alfred? Alfred. The big tall guy? Yeah. Who doesn't... 
fancy her. Alfred is hot for Ivy, who doesn't seem to mm-hmm. fancy him. Ivy is hot for Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Who I don't think fancies her, and I actually think fancies Daisy. And then Thomas is hot for Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> oh you think Ivy and Daisy? Ivy's after Daisy? No, no, no. Jimmy's after Daisy. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. Jimmy likes Daisy for some reason. Maybe. And then, yeah, Thomas is there. Uh, Panting after Jimmy. Yeah. And clearly now the 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 uh, long game that O'Brien is playing is becoming clear. Like, I feel like Thomas is just going to try to rape Jimmy thinking he has a clear, you know, uh, go ahead. It's going to be some – I don't know exactly how it's going to be. He's going to, like, just grab him in a corridor and kiss him. Probably. And then it's going to be scandal, and then I guess Thomas gets drubbed out of the service. Yeah, is that O'Brien's ultimate goal is to I get Thomas out of there? I think so. I mean, Expose she's a vicious woman. She is a vicious woman. And, you know, Thomas would, I think, try to do that to her and yeah, definitely yeah. tried to hurt Jimmy's chances. Yeah, I thought after killing the new heir, she would soften up a little bit. But right. Maybe not. Well, she softened up to Cora, obviously. Yeah, definitely. She's insanely loyal to her. Um... So, we got anything else to talk about? No, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, I had a piece of feedback from Simon M. He said, hey, we're enjoying a new podcast. Um, He wanted to know, last week we were asking about toffee-nosed. He said toffee-nosed means stuck-up, snobbish, or pretentious. In fact, the word toffs is used as a slang term for the upper class and aristocracy. Aristocracy. Yes. There, I got it right. Third time's charm. (laughs) Someone who is toffee nose is someone who thinks they're superior to everyone uh, else. I also thought maybe did that refer to the color, like they're also brown nosy a little bit. That, yeah, that's what we were speculating. Or like they're but... sn- got the sniff bo- snuff boxes out, you know. Like how did they get yeah, toffee nosed? Just... I understand what the meaning is, but where did it come from? <laughs> What's the etymology of toffee nose? Do rich people just eat toffee? They're just like all about the heath uh, <laughs> candy bars, and they're rubbing them on their noses. They love them so yes, much. I okay. think so. <laughs> I think that's why. So, All right, let's move speaking on. of main events. Main event, Justified, episode 405, titled Ken. Uh, this, what do you think of it? I feel like I owe Yoast and company an apology because yeah. I was very skeptical about this mystery. And I'm like, I don't really give a fuck. And I got to stop doing, I got to stop judging season-long plots on the first episode. Which mystery are you referring because to? The Drew... The Drew Thompson. Oh, okay. it, it, it burnt yeah. me uh, in... Uh, you know The, the flash-forward, hating on that burnt me in Breaking Bad, <laughs> and, and hating on Drew Thompson has burnt me now, because yep. this is turning out to be brilliant. I you agree. Know, the fascinating thing about the show is the tension between Boyd and Raylan. They put that off on a slow burn. They've let them both kind of, like, you know, inter- investigate this mystery... It's something that ties Arlo and Boyd's old man mm-hmm. together. Uh, and like last season, the, uh, Yo slowly put in pieces against Rayland where you're thinking, oh, my God, how's he going to get out of it? Now it's now it's Boyd's turn. Yeah, and it's another reason for Theo Tona to get involved. Yep. We're always happy to see that this because bigger... that means when Duffy's involved. Yeah. Uh, that means – Let's let's talk about Wynn. Okay. I'm kind of worried that Wynn is getting a little warped here. You know what I'm talking about? No. So, like, Star Trek The Next Generation, Uh anytime there was a new alien or character that they wanted you to know was a badass, he would kick Worf's ass, (laughs) throw him through a door, do the double hammer fist and flatten him, because the audience knew Worf's a badass. Yeah. But if Worf gets his ass kicked every other week, is he really a badass? (laughs) So, like, Wynn Duffy is a badass. So whenever they want a character to, you know, be respected instantly by us, they have... Mm. 
you know, like the carpetbagger rolls up tough and makes him his lackey. This Theotonin's henchman rolls up tough. Mm-hmm. If not exactly making him as lackey, makes him he's basically disrespects, fucks up his RV, he makes him shit his pants, splashes blood. Yeah, he cows yeah. him. Yeah. So it's like we're thinking, whoa, this dude's a badass. So is Win really a badass? Well, now we just he's have to see Win beat the shit out of somebody else. Right? Yes, like, I would. We lo- need to maintain the power structure. In season five, I want to see someone come into the Winnebago, mm-hmm. roll tough on him, and he just gets his gun out and says, "Fuck you!" Boom. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, lunk-headed meathead that I don't know what your name is. Go bury him out in the median, and let's pull on to the next town. Yeah, Win doesn't really get very involved in that type of stuff, though, right? I mean, he he lets his men handle that. He, I guess. He's like Boyd. Yeah, he sits but, back, he plays it a little smarter, he plots, he schemes, and then he has his guys go out and do the dirty work. But every time we see him, he's a second banana to somebody. Yeah, you're right. Shouldn't he get a chance to be first banana? Yeah, he should. He's got a great he per- might. he's got a great presence, great dialogue. He knows how to talk the talk. But all I've seen him do is blast underlings in the face. <laughs> yeah. So Well, I mean, Raylan has no cause to go after him at the moment, right? So if he does bag Theotonin, who's left? That's Duffy. Duffy's in the driver's seat in Lexington. So maybe he'll maybe that's his path to power. Hmm. I don't know. We'll All see. Right. Um every time I watch this show, I it's weird because after watching it for a while, I'll kind of take for granted the amazing things about it. Mm-hmm. Like the dialogue. I just noticed when it came back, the dialogue is so freaking amazing in this mm-hmm. show. I just did that with the theme song this week. The theme song for this show is so good. I like it. It yeah. sets the tone perfectly. Yep. Um, and I am just noticing that again this week. By Gangsta Grass. Yeah. Yeah, very good. If you want to look that up. Um, so. You want to talk about Tobolowski? Sure. All right. Tobolowski's back. We saw him uh, last season trying to bust Raylan's balls. And I went back and I listened to some of our episodes. We totally called that he was dirty. I think you totally called. I, you I, take to- all the I credit. did. You said, I think he's dirty. And I'm like, why? And, you and had, I, you I had, had no idea, but it was just a hunch. And it turned out to be true. And it's great writing because that makes perfect sense. Yeah, this why would he been be in- trying to bust his ball so hard? Yeah, this, and this guy is investigating this, for, and he's the special unit, and he's bending, you know, burning up all these resources. Mm-hmm. Keeping the case off of uh, Tonin. For 30 years, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and anytime someone gets close, he goes in and investigates and calls him dirty and all this other bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go back. I don't remember exactly what Raylan was doing at the time when Tobolowski comes in. Oh, well, he was just fucking with Theotonin's operation in general. Right. I think the carpetbagger was in there. And he well, was but there was a... They, um, the carpetbagger had Theotonin's uh, son, yeah, Doofus' Sammy. son, say on a line they knew was tapped by the federal, uh, by the FBI, that yeah. Raylan uh, was the muscle for Boyd Crowder. Yeah. So it's all trumped up bullshit, and now we know that he even knew it was Trump the, uh, trumped yeah. up bullshit. Good stuff. Uh, but like, like I said, this, this Drew heist is great because it bringing Ar- it's bringing uh, Arlo back into it. It's bringing Raylan into it. It's bringing Boyd. They're both wanting the same thing for different reasons. Now it's kind of a race. That Okay, that is the brilliant thing about Justified, right? It's the way that they construct their plots uh-huh. because they set up – most shows will set up like one or two pieces at a time and kind of resolve them halfway through the season and set mm. up a couple more – this just sets everything up at the beginning. They're like, yeah. all right, let's take them all. Let's make everybody equally powerful and all butting heads. And then 
the interesting part about watching Justified is seeing where all those pieces fall, seeing yeah. how it shakes out. Even minor things like the teenage girl and her dumbass boyfriend that yeah. you thought was just some random plot. Then you turns got a connection out, to Drew. Turns out to be, uh, you know, this aging Harlan mobster who's stuck at home with a leg bracelet. So he sends his yeah. daughter out to do his dirty work for him. Brilliant. Super awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I didn't know because I haven't seen Deadwood, but apparently the guy who plays, um, I can't even remember his name, um, but he was a main character on uh, uh, Deadwood, too. He played who? the Hearst character on Deadwood. Was it Josiah? Yeah, it's Josiah. Oh, yeah, right? Josiah Cairn. Yeah. Cairn, Cairn. And, you know, of course, uh, Timothy Oliphant was a sheriff. We uh, Before the show, we watched a clip of them having a fight. It's very similar yeah. to the uh, car drag that he led him on. Uh, that that, that, this is one thing that kind of bugs me Hmm. Raylan can't get away with all of this stuff right I mean he's basically (laughs) openly brutalizing criminals at this point for with no provocation this guy didn't pull a gun on him Mm -hmm. he didn't do anything but not tell him refuse to tell him information he wanted yeah and suddenly he's getting cuffed to a car and drug up the county road Raylan is a loose cannon you never know what Raylan's gonna do yeah I don't know I'm I'm certain at some point that uh, there will be repercussions for some of the stuff he does. Right. Uh, and we've seen that before. I mean, right. he does get in trouble when he really goes across the line. I also like how they're layering motivations. Like, why does Tonin have such a boner for Drew Thompson? Well, mm-hmm. we heard his wife from two episodes ago say that he witnessed Tonin kill somebody. Then we find out, you know, we knew from the first episodes there's a large quantity of drugs that went missing. So, yep. you know, mobsters hate to get stolen from. The fact that we found out this episode that Thompson shot Tonin in the eye. Uh-huh. Now, we've seen <laughs> Theo Tonin, right? Uh, he was he the guy at the table in the very beginning? No, no, no. He was from last episode. He was uh, the Arkin brother who's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, not. Is it Adam? Adam Arkin, yeah. Adam Arkin? Um, we've seen him. He was in the show. He does not look like a man who had his eye shot out. <laughs> Are they wanting us to believe that's a glass eye? No, surely not. Maybe that wasn't him. Is he talking about, like, shot him in the eye with a paper, uh, with a rubber band gun? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it scratched his cornea. They definitely meant he shot him in the eye. He was in intense pain and sensitive to daylight for days. <laughs> Yeah, I just, back. I didn't see any like hideous facial scarring. I mean, the the only thing we knew about him last year is he took that he had the severed ear that he talked into. Yeah, yeah. which they called back to this episode. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, certainly, they wouldn't make a mistake that big, right? I don't know. Like maybe this guy doesn't even know Theotonin. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Uh, Christy Johnson wanted us to talk about uh, all the people we've met already who could possibly be Drew Thompson. Uh, she said, and she's got some interesting theories. One of them I heard before and one of them I haven't. She said, after the way the Hill lady was talking, I have a crazy theory. Could Drew Thompson be Judge Reardon? (laughs) Her evidence is the Hill lady said something about seeing Drew talking with political slash rich people and not acknowledging that he Mm. knew uh, who she was. Maybe I've been smoking some hillbilly heroin, but Judge Reardon is the only character that's still alive and old enough that I think it could be. Him or Sheriff Shelby. Shelby did have info about the Drew Thompson case up on his computer screen uh, right before he interviewed the preacher's sister in episode four. Hmm. She's shocked that we didn't uh, bring that up in the last episode. So what do we what do we think? Uh, Steppenwall and several of his commenters were debating the merits of uh, Shelby being uh, Drew Thompson. I actually think it would be more likely for Shelby to be him uh, because he was a relative nobody. 
before Boyd elevated him. It would yeah. be hard for me to imagine that someone could successfully run for judge in this town, uh, you know, and be a judge for a long time. And uh, without any kind of and background. actually, actually, he's not judge in Harlan. I thought he was judge of like uh, in Lexington. Oh, it might be. Yeah. So that's the other, I guess, problem with that theory. If I've got that right, that so wrong. When when we first meet Shelby, he's working in the mine, right? He's the yeah. one guy who escapes when Boyd blows the shit up, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be him. What Why do, not? What do we think about Shelby's double crossing of Boyd here? Double crossing of Boyd. Yeah, he Refresh had his me. men st- uh, kidnap Ellie May to keep her from being shot because yes. he okay. thinks yeah. she's a witness to a capital crime. Yeah. Um, I I knew that Shelby was going to do something against Boyd because if not, like we said before, Boyd is coming back on him every time. Do you think Boyd's going to – do you think Shelby makes it out of the season alive? Oh. It's awful it, hard to kill a law enforcement officer. Even it is, County. but I think it's harder to kill Boyd or harder to bring Boyd down. And to make Boyd interesting, he can't be in prison, right? He's got to be out doing his Boyd stuff. Plus there's precedent. Didn't uh, – I want to say to Ted – Last year, sent us a news article about one of the sheriffs of uh, Harlan County being brought up in corruption charges, and then he just went missing. Like, they found huh. his patrol car out and abandoned, and they never saw this guy again. Wow. So, so that, maybe that's Shelby. Uh, may, maybe. Maybe. That would be cool. Um, what do you think of Ellie Mae, though? She's dumb as a box of rocks, because mm-hmm. I feel like she still to this does not get the fact that Colton was going to kill her. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, do you think she's going to turn on Boyd? Uh, I think under Shelby's coaching, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. I'm just wondering how this is all going to shake out. Because yeah, Boyd's got a lot I of guns too, pointed at him. And then we've got – Boyd does. I mean, he's got Johnny against him now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wynn basically says as soon as Boyd gets me what I want or fails to do so – uh, have at him. I'm not going to stand in your way. How dumb do you have to be, Johnny, not to see that he's also going to do the same thing to you? Obviously, if he treats one of his agreements that way, he treats them all that way. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Johnny. Yeah. But on the other hand, yeah. Does Boyd suspect Johnny? Because he rides him awful hard. He, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's always kind of ridden him hard, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like he was more suspecting of Colton this time when he didn't show up yeah. when he was supposed to. I mean, That's, an interesting, that's yeah. an interesting plot, too. And had Duffy not shown up, who knows what would happen there. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with Colton. Do you think he's going to survive the season? No, I don't think so. Really? I do not think so. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't a big fan. I did like, I did love the symmetry between Raylan's number one guy being uh, Tim, the Marine, uh, you know, the the PTSD Marine Marshal. We're finding more about the guy. That's cool. And then, you know, Boyd second being a former military man. Yeah. Uh, Do you think there'll be any more interplay between those two as the season goes on? I think so, yeah. All right, cool. I don't think that was in there for nothing. Um, What do you think about Raylan being uh, kin to the Hill people? Um, I don't have any feeling one way or another no feeling okay it was I've, cool that he was able to exploit that to not die yeah no i i always like when Raylan goes back to harlan back to his roots you know right i mean he knows so many people there he's so connected to that area 
that it's it's always interesting to watch him. I also like how the old man wasn't having it. It's like, oh, you're kidding us? Well, then surely you must have. And he like just rattled yeah. all this uh, hill folk knowledge. And then Boyd pipes up. He's like, oh yeah, me and him used to go whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a mine shaft, you dumbass. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, you got to give him credit for trying. Yeah. I also love the way that worked out. Like Raylan's plan just basically got Boyd beat up as a distraction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed that. I, I would like to hear if Ted's got any highlights about the Hill folk, if that's based mm-hmm. on any kind of real life characters or clan yeah. from the, uh, from Harlan. What else we got to any, any more meat to pick over these bones? No, sir. I think that's about it. Another right. great episode of justified. I'm, I'm still really pumped for this show. Yeah. I'm I, so, I I've it. gotten in the last two or three episodes, significantly more pumped. We were, uh, um, on the road, so I forgot I didn't have the greatest notes, uh, that last week our old buddy Taylor Elmore wrote the episode. Oh, did he? Flown. Yeah, that was his episode. I think he's got nice. one more this year, too. That was a great episode. Um, also, you want to ask me about a certain reference? Oh, yeah. So they make this reference to Glasnost versus something? Pastrika, I think. So Glasnost yeah. is the... What is that about? Like Mikhail Gorbachev, when he tore down the wall, he mm-hmm. instituted his policy with this Russian for openness or transparency. Uh, and then Pestroika, mm-hmm. I think, means some kind of change where they're going away from communism more towards capitalism. That's what mm-hmm. Boyd came back with is like, you know, you know what came after Glasnost was Pestroika. So he's like, yeah. yeah. And I don't like that callback to earlier seasons. I mean, when he met up with Carpetbagger, they were waxing uh, philosophical about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Using history Boyd, and philosophy. Boyd and is a very smart man. He is. He's well, well learned despite his roots. Still has a so. head like a... Like a coffee-dyed dandelion, though. <laughs> yeah, he does. I swear. Man, his oh, is man. he has his forehead always been receded like that, or is it just oh, yeah, playing it up? No, it's always like that. Back Even back in The Shield, it was like that. You know, like the Carthizer dude in Mad Men, they say that he, he says that he shaves his widow's peak to give Pete a little bit more of oh, a receding he? hairline. Yeah. Hmm, can't even tell. Vincent Carthizer? Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else? That's it. We've decided we can't cover Archer, right? Yeah, or I Portlandia. Mean, it's there's been three episodes comedy. now. It's it's like we basically like uh, you know, hey, I didn't get the Bob's Burgers reference on Archer. It wasn't as funny as I thought. Uh, I will mention. Did you you have seen? Have you seen nope, none of Archer? None, zero. Season two features a hilarious guest Wait. appearance by Timothy Oliphant. No, I've I've seen the first three seasons of Archer. No, I'm saying yeah. first second episode of this season features a hilarious oh. cameo by Timothy you Oliphant. Said second season that threw me off. Sorry. That's me just being an idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, I could talk a little bit about that, and it's been funny. Not as I don't think as funny as previous seasons. I think season mm-hmm. two is the funniest Archer. Yeah, I the, agree. The breast cancer rampage <laughs> was hilarious. All uh, right, that's it. Do the outro, man. Outro sequence. Uh, got a little bit of pimping to do. Uh, Dave M. Uh, from DVMPE Podcast Empire at DVMPE.com oh, yeah. uh, said he's got a new show out, and we try to, like, help out. Uh, our fellow fans trying to hustle. It's called yep. the TV Resurrection Podcast. Ooh. You can find that on iTunes or DVMPE.com. Do you know anything about it? Yeah. He, so basically they're doing one episode retrospective debates about shows that are no longer in air, hmm. uh, either by completing their story like Fringe or Lost It or be- becoming canceled like uh, Carnival or Twin Peaks. Nice. Uh, which is interesting because I was talking about the uh, with the Captain Lou Albano uh noel albano rather uh <laughs> she was asking if we'd ever considered doing a twin peaks podcast Oof. kickstarter 
Uh, but anyway, yeah. he just wanted to do these one-off episodes about shows uh, that they weren't podcasting about or nobody was because it was before that. I think it's a great idea because there's a lot of awesome TV shows I feel like I'm the only one that ever liked. Like, it'd be awesome to do one about Airwolf or, like, Earth <laughs> Final Conflict. MacGyver. Sequest. <laughs> or MacGyver, yeah. yeah. X-Files for you. You loved X-Files. Oh, I did love X-Files for the first five seasons. Yeah. Right around, oh, I think it was the movie, or the season after the movie yeah. I kind of bailed on. Uh, but he just posted the first episode two weeks ago, Retroing Lost. Uh, they're going to do one a month. If that sounds great or a, a good idea to you, then check them out at dvmpe.com. And that's sufficient pimping. Now the outro. We are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all our content at baldmove.com, including our coverage of The Walking Dead, which is coming back next week, this week, this weekend, this Indeed. Sunday. Uh, yeah. Game of Thrones and Mad Men coming out in about another six weeks. Oh, uh, Breaking Bad, and of course our newest TV podcast. This is where our our year gets hellacious. Yes, and we kicked it off right because we just got back from Colorado, where we had the uh, aforementioned Bipax meetup with the Personal Arrogance Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, there uh, this week, uh, they talked a lot about Magic: The Gathering's latest expansion, Gate Crash, which we played the shit out of over yep. the weekend. Uh, and they talked about their favorite subject, beer. Um, and the Picard show, again, as I mentioned, uh, Gerilyn, Susan, and Amy all bought a shots uh, in the Rocky Mountains. That was awesome. This I can't wait to hear this episode. It goes from discussion of Legos <laughs> to a $1,000 sex toy. Yeah. Do you know what a Sibian is? Both of which I love. I do. As I do, fact. too. Yes. <laughs> I do. Uh, and, I've seen the porn. Was, I know what it's about. Yeah, Geraldine last week was beating around the bush, like not saying what it actually was. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's called a Sibian. Right. It's a <laughs> it's a giant piece of sex furniture, basically. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait to hear. Uh, they also have something called Levi's Moisturizing Jeans. Oh. And apparently they've played the We Drunk Dialed. Uh, Eric actually had the yeah, phone yeah. in his hand, but we were all in the background. We drunk dialed them yep. uh, like after two they in bought the us morning. shots from, yeah, two in the yeah. morning. Great, stuff. great weekend. Uh, anyway, you can leave us feedback at TV at baldmove.com. We do read feedback. We're not doing a lot of it because we're trying to get through a lot of stuff here. But if you got a particular question or something you want us to discuss, TV at baldmove.com. You can also get a hold of me at facebook.com slash baldmove. Jim holds down Twitter at baldmove. Boom. We can appreciate all their reviews and ratings on iTunes. That's the single biggest thing you can do to help us market this podcast. If you want to help us pay for it. Uh, use our Amazon.baldmove.com affiliate link, or you can click on the orange banner at the top of our site. I've said it again. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't add anything to your card. It doesn't add any special handling fees. Nope. It just gives. It just takes a bite out of Bezos. <laughs> yeah, it does. Takes some of the Bezos bread mm-hmm. and puts it in our bank. Distributes it to the people. Yes, and we like that. So appreciate everyone that does that uh, week in, week out, month in, month out. It helps pay the bills. We love you guys. And also tell a friend. Um, yeah. Work, family, social circles, mind that shit. Definitely. Pour us out. Absolutely. If you work in uh, retail business, just speak to your customers about it. There you go. <laughs> Print off our homepage and just hand it off to everybody. <laughs> put it under like put a flyer. It, uh, yeah, go out and hand it to the parking lot and put it under people's windshield wipers. There you go. We won't get hate mail for that at we, all. We need to Hell come no. out with greeting cards. You mm-hmm. know those greeting cards that when you open them, they play noises? We'll just have it play a podcast of ours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd have to be flagged uh, mature or explicit. 
Yeah. We sold an explicit section. Definitely. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. <laughs>